0: This is the last weekly roll up that will be under proof of work with Ethereum.
1: Bankless Nation, it is the second Friday of Merge Timber. What time is it, David?
0: Uh, Ryan, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly Rollup where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, especially this week because it's Merge Week. Ryan, this is the last weekly roll up that will be under proof of work with Ethereum.
1: I know that blows my mind. The the very last one. In in fact, uh, I you you mentioned that this morning. I tweeted something out about it, and I I almost always take ideas and put them into tweets. Not always, but um, (laughs) fifty percent of the time I do that. Uh, And and, you know, like I I started to get a little bit nostalgic about it, and I don't know why. Right, like I don't. It's It's the end of an era. yeah, I was never a miner. I know you did some GPU mining mm-hmm. uh, in in your history. Mm-hmm. I'd never done that. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like the end of an era and like we're, we're crossing something. And this is the very last roll-up where uh, Ethereum is on proof of work. And I guess that counts for something. So yeah. cross your fingers. Next time you guys hear this, Bankless Nation, we will be post-merged. Be all proof of stake knock from on there road. on out. Uh, okay, I'm just going to make road. this
0: joke once and we're never going to speak of it again. <laughs> but like... <laughs> Don't. We're, pr- we're praying that this is not like the Hillary Clinton election party of 2016, <laughs> where they were completely confident that they were totally going to win against Donald Trump, oh. and then Donald Trump won. Yeah, wow. this, like that's the last time we'll ever have to make this joke. What a but, day that yeah. would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah, That that's just a joke. He's joking, guys. Yes, all right. Uh, da- yeah. David is actually highly confident. I'm that highly America confident, is- but like, yes, yes.
0: So so we're all the Hillary Clinton. So Cohen was fans. Hillary? Anyway, so was Hillary. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it, it is like this whole. I was around in Ethereum when it was mm. proof of work. People yeah. are going to say that in the future. Yeah, uh, and so if you if you were here listening to Bankless, paying attention to crypto before Ethereum went proof of stake, that's pretty cool. That's pretty that's cool. Massive, your, your kids are going to think you're cool,
1: hopefully. There's only, there's only two times to buy ETH before the merger after the merger. <laughs> there's only two times. That's it. <laughs> so you're either here or you weren't. And we're glad you're here with us because be we've got a bad. lot to cover today. Mm-hmm. Uh, first... Will we be merged next roll-up? We just talked about that, but we're going (laughs) to go through the schedule Mm -hmm. of what the roll-up week looks like Mm -hmm. next week, week because next week is roll-up week. Uh, We're looking at Thursday for the merge date. David, what else are we talking about? Uh, We are also talking about Binance,
0: rugging all non-Binance USD stablecoins on its platform, but it's actually a good thing what happened there uh binance swapping out other people's stable coins we'll talk about that also coinbase going to bat for the crypto industry putting a lawsuit down on the table in front of the department of treasury because of tornado cash so yeah uh coinbase uh, footing the bill for a treasury against lawsuit saying that what the treasury has done with banning tornado cash is unconstitutional outside of their just jurisdiction and just against innovation. Uh, so Coinbase, nice job with that. We'll go into all those details later in the show. Grab your popcorn,
1: guys. And of course, grab your coffee because mm-hmm. this is going to be a good one today. David, before we get in, got to share some special news from our friends and sponsors at Consensus because they are giving away a free NFT, free NFT. to commemorate. <laughs> to Mm -hmm. celebrate the Merge. To prove to your kids that you were here during the Merge, during (laughs) the Merge, yeah. Uh, So I'm definitely gonna collect one of these, and if you want to be first to know about it as soon as it goes live, so that you can mint one of these Merge NFTs, commemorative NFTs, for free, you need to click the link in the show notes, click this button on the Coinbase website called Be the First to Know. It's got some Merge information. Type in your email address, and they will send you an email when it is ready to mint, and you can mint that for free. So that's the first thing we got going on. Also, David, there's a conference that you're attending at the end of September. Mm-hmm. should tell folks about that and some discounts that are available.
0: Yeah, of course, Converge 2022 in San Francisco. Uh, your boy is going to become a West Coast boy for a half second this September 27th through the 30th. Uh, this is being put on by Circle. This is Circle's Converge event, of which there will be many uh, speakers who you might be familiar with, uh, Jeremy Allaire, of course the CEO of Circle, uh, but also Mike Anderson from Framework, uh, and Vitalik, of course, will also be giving a talk, and to so many, many others in the industry. So if you are in San Francisco, definitely get a ticket. If you're around San Francisco, definitely get a ticket, because uh, I will see you guys all there. There is a link in the show notes to get a discounted ticket.
1: Yeah, juicy discount, too. I think hundreds of dollars of off, $250 off. Uh, and that, by the way, that discount expires on the 15th mm. of a September, expires the day of the merge. So you better uh, pick that up right. before, before the merge. It,
0: but by the time we tell you next we re- uh, roll up, it'll be expired. So <laughs> it'll be gone. this, it'll this, be this gone. is the time.
1: Uh, David acting like he's, uh, he's an East Coaster here. So, so he's <laughs> going to be a West Coaster for, the hot, for a hot sec. All right, East Coast David, let's get to the markets <laughs> today. What's Bitcoin looking like on the week? Are we above 20K?
0: No, we are not. We started the week Ooh. at $20,070. We are ending the week at $19,250, down about 4% on the week for Bitcoin. Oof.
1: I don't like that being below yeah, the twenty seventeen like all time yeah. high the, on overall. Bitcoin. The Bitcoin chart looks not awesome. No, not, that's not, not feeling good. How about ETH? No. Any better news for us
0: here? Yeah, ETH is up three point five percent. So nice. started the week at fifteen hundred dollars, 1570 $1, okay. $1, dollars, ending the week at sixteen hundred and thirty dollars, up three point five percent. So Bitcoin down four percent, Ether up three and a half percent. Ryan, it feels like the merge. It yes. feels like the
1: merge trade. Yeah, some some feels, feels pretty mergy. Yeah, <laughs> emerge tastic. <laughs> <right>. Oh, God. <laughs> Bitcoin ratio, uh, that's got to be up on the week, yeah. obviously. I did yeah. the math.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, up 7.8% on the week, wow. up to
1: 0.085. Ryan, do you know what that means? I bet it is the highest we've been in a long time, maybe in a year's time or so. Uh
0: we are about there. I think we are matched at the highs of the twenty twenty one bull market. It also okay. means that one Ethereum is worth fifty-three percent of one Bitcoin. You don't say. Yeah, I do say, sir. That's
1: halfway to the flipping. <laughs> That's sir. over halfway to the
0: flipping. The ETH okay. market cap is now greater than fifty percent of bitcoins.
1: Ah. What happens? Did we unlock an NFT when like when that happens? Does anything no, happen? No, I just or? get really
0: excited because <laughs> <laughs> after like uh, white knuckling my uh, my ETH BTC down to like point zero five, it's nice to have it recovered and then uh, be in the green up to point zero five. David, my friend,
1: you still play. You're still trading ratios. I uh, thought I, the D- DPI ETH would have like just destroyed you on ratios from now on. That was only once. Th- this ratio is working out. <laughs> Traceo is working out. And <laughs> there, there's a reason ratio. why. We'll talk about it later in the show. Well, it uh, probably has to do with the merge, but uh, we'll mm-hmm. get into more details. How about the total crypto market cap? We above or below a trillion?
0: Yeah, we're above a trillion. Last week, we we're at 1.01 trillion. We are now at 1.025 trillion. So small but healthy gain on the total crypto market cap.
1: Okay. We'll Which is interesting be...
0: that the crypto market cap is up, yet Bitcoin is down. Yeah, that That doesn't... divergence does not happen often.
1: That doesn't happen often. That's really fascinating, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um How about ETH ETH gas prices? So what we want to know is going in the merge is are we going to be deflationary Mm post-merge? Are we burning more ETH Mm -hmm. in the form of um, gas fees? or are we uh, inflationary? Is the money actually ultrasound, right. David? What and, what are we looking like?
0: And so okay, so this is actually something that we have to correct. Basically, all times we've ever reported on gas because we've been I've been using that total gas distribution chart, the chart further down, uh, and just like looking at the peak and seeing. Uh, nope, You've been nope, looking at this. Nope. Medium? Nope. Keep going up, up. You you went right over it. There, there. Ah. Uh, the green one on the top right. The weekly gas distribution. I would just measure the peak, and that's how I would report it. But the peak is not the average, and the peak is actually lower than the average. Uh, and so what ha- what we've actually been reporting is the median, the middle number, but we're not reporting the average. And so for the month, for the last 30 days, here are the new, the new numbers, <laughs> the new numbers are in. The last 30 days, the median has been 14 Guay. The okay. net average of gas prices over the last 30 days has actually been 18 Guay, and that is the more accurate number when it comes to the ETH burn. And that's remember, the mean,
1: that's the average. The Guay. average.
0: The average. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the average is eighteen Guay and the ultrasound barrier is fifteen. So, uh, according to last month, we will be ultrasound by the time we go into the merge.
1: Wow, that's great. Unless yes. block space demand goes down, but you Unless can't it continue, imagine right. it going down too much. But you can't now. go down
0: too much more. Yeah.
1: So will our We're almost first- zero. Will our very first blocks be ultrasound or not? It's looking like right now they will be.
0: I think that, well, I think they certainly will be because there will be hella activity anyways because of the merge. It's really just like, are we going to sustain that ultrasoundness? And like, it's close. We're hanging on by like our fingernails, but like, it looks pretty, looks pretty ultrasound to me.
1: All right. For the last time, time. we're going to look at the merge estimator date. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know we'll get into the schedule a little bit later, but what is the projected date of the merge, date and time of the merge Mm -hmm. right now for next week?
0: Thursday. 8 a.m eastern time on thursday thursday morning eastern time uh sorry for the pacific coasters you might still be asleep you'll have to get up early to watch the live stream not too early though um but yeah 8 a.m eastern time
1: if it feels perfectly reasonable now totally. could still move yeah. up it could still move back but it could also mm-hmm. still move up but mm-hmm. 8 a.m eastern i have no complaints i have no complaints yeah it's gonna be good good morning yeah. so sorry uh,
0: sorry pacific coasters
1: We'll get to the, we're doing a lot that week. Of course, Bankless is doing a lot. The Ethereum community is doing a lot. So we'll give you the schedule Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later after we get to the market section. But we still got more market stuff to cover. David, you unlocked this fantastic visualization (laughs) of ETH price at staking deposit time. Mm -hmm. What are we looking at and what? is this telling yeah
0: us. this came from a fantastic twitter account data underscore always which is just is some really fat fantastic data analysis of blockchain stuff uh and there's always there's been this argument that like the eth supply overhang and like or the eth unlock when we finally unlock is like bearish because that means everyone's gonna dump all their ether and i just think that this argument is like totally overstated wait like, the recap big
1: real quick what happens mm-hmm. there for people who right. for, have forgotten
0: so, okay, if you are staking Ether on the beacon chain, that there are no withdrawals. And so it's yes. a one-way street. Once you deposit and begin staking Ether, that's the only thing you can do. You can't get your Ether back. That is continues to be true post-merge. So we merge, and that is still true we need to uh, do another hard fork to enable withdrawals predicted something like 6 to 12 months out after the merge and then people will unlock and people will fear that there's just this pent up demand to sell ether because there's been like this massive staking event where people can't get liquidity on their ether and i think that this is overstated um, and so the, the i mean granted there it will like there's a supply of ether there's like 13 14 million ether that has not been able to be sold but if it, you have to really ask your question, who are these people that are staking on the Beacon Chain? And especially the like the, the most credible fear is like this $500 to $700 range where people began staking their Ether very in the very, very beginning, December of 2020 when the Beacon Chain launched or January 2021 when Ether price was still cheap. If you remember, Ryan, January 2021 was when Ether went and broke uh, like $1,100 and then mm-hmm. started its ascent basically up to $4,000 in May. Mm-hmm. So people staked in December and January January, when Ether was still like cheap, you know, $500 to $700, and a lot of Ether became staked. Who are those people that are going first through the door into an unknown technology with an unknown staked lockup time uh, just to get like six percent yield on your ETH? It's permables. It's probably, and it's not like they deposited all of their Ether. They probably deposited like less than 10% because they're, you know, ether permeables that have been here through the presale. These people are not sellers. And also for the remainder of like the ETH uh, deposits, if you're somebody who's itching to get liquidity on your ether, you probably staked with Lido, which launched the same time as the beacon chain. And that's all of the blue bars you see here on the visualization. That's all Lido deposits. And so that Ether is actually liquid. And so a majority of Ether that's been deposited other than that first cohort that came in between $500 and $700 is actually underwater. So they're actually like, you know, underwater in terms of their ETH time of deposit not necessarily when they bought it uh and so like this whole like oh there's going to be this mass unlocking event and like it's going to flood the marketplace i think has been totally overstated
1: and you're saying that because you're seeing a lot of this uh who are like below current prices they they staked below Mm -hmm. current prices a lot of the eth that's um, and even exactly. that, I
0: just don't think the people who are like willing to take the lockup time are people that are inherently itching to sell their ether.
1: These yeah. aren't like flimsy paper handers. Well, you know, what's funny, though. So I, I agree with that. And I think that's a, like a valid take. You know, what's funny, though, is uh, I know a number of ETH bulls who still haven't staked very much either. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I would count like probably yourself and myself among those. Like I right. you know we've when we've we have our we before, have our stake
0: with Rocket Pool, but like my personal stake, I'm I'm like I have my Ether and then I have my D Gen and my D Gen supply is trading
1: the ratio right now. Right, I've got some staked stuff, but I right. have been also been waiting for for it to be de risked. Ironically, <laughs> yeah. until like after the merge, we'll see uh-huh. how the merge goes, David. And then like so, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's certainly complex. By the way, the risk you are, the
0: Hillary Clinton risk? Yeah. You are mm-hmm.
1: having a uh, a debate with mm-hmm. um, Jordy uh, on this. I think the episode for for uh, listeners tomorrow. will come out. Um, it'll be live live tomorrow. It'll be mm-hmm. today by the time you listen to uh, this, yes, right? right? Isn't that what we're doing? Because yes. it'll yeah, be Friday. Friday. Yes, correct. So uh, David will debate Jordy on this very topic, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. catch that on the Bankless Podcast, YouTube, yeah. as always. Um, what's this, David? Just one last question. Ma-
0: amount of revenue for the miners ethereum miners made 756 million dollars in revenue in august ahead ah. of the merge it's the last time we'll see that headline uh this is the last amount of like revenue for the miners uh they get two weeks in september um good but night. all of that will be largely deleted
1: good night Goodbye. Sweet prince that's it good night. that's g- good that's, night. that's it for the miners they are now retired uh, yeah, have, I, been I mean, a
0: lot of them have to retire. There is not job there's eliminated. not sufficient proof-of-work chains that can support GPU miners to support that entire industry.
1: I think some of the miners have been uh, stacking their ETH in order to stake, but um, yes. others haven't, mm. and they'll just move yes, on correct. to uh, greener pastures and other proof-of-work yep. networks. Uh, David, let's not, talk... Not
0: very green, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, not very green. <laughs> not very green. <laughs> Sorry, some red ones. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, let's talk about the <laughs> general markets in the macro side of things. So first, let's start with the the S&P. This is a tweet from Charlie. uh, Charlie Biello. This is a tweet from Charlie (laughs) Biello. The S&P 500 is down 17.7% in the first 169 trading days of 2022, the fourth fourth worst start to any year in history. So um, S&P down I think that justifies an oof. Yeah, definitely. So that's what we're looking at. But I think that the more broad thing in macro that we should probably be thinking about right now is uh, European energy Mm -hmm. markets and its effect on monetary policy. This is a great tweet thread from our friend Jim Bianco that kind of explains this. You want to run us through this?
0: Yeah, he goes, uh, Jim Bianco says, the bottom line, Europe is in an intolerable position and the public is getting angry and it's not even cold yet because, of course, energy is how people stay warm during the winter. Uh, And so Jim Bianco continues and says, natural gas is used for power generation and space heating and it's highly seasonal. Storage of natural gas is filled in the summer and run down in the winter for space heating. Like they stock up their reserves during the summer uh, when people don't need natural gas as much and then they consume that in the winter currently storage facilities are at 81 percent full about the middle of what you would expect an average like this is about a normal amount of being full at this point in the year um jim continues and says too many have pointed out to the chart above and proclaimed that there is no problem, but this neglects the fact that it has cost a lot to fill these facilities. And as this mm. chart that we're showing here says, European natural gas prices are soaring after a- even after this week's decline. And so, yes, the reserves are Full, uh, acceptably full, but it's being, it's costing way more this year, like three, four five X times what it would be last year. Uh, consequently, the cost of filling the storage has already cost, yeah, 6.5 times the sill storage in any other full season. They have the storage, uh, they have the supplies, but they paid bigly for it. Um, And this cost has already happened, will be borne by the European population because of soaring energy bills or through some form of taxation or bailouts. Um, And then uh, he continues and says, also note the natural gas storage detail above only covers about 25 to 30 percent of winter natural gas needs, meaning they will have to sip their energy straight from the pipeline in addition to their storage. So it only solves up to like 30 percent of the actual problem. So. Europe still needs flows from Russia this winter, Uh, and before the Ukraine war, Germany got about 55% of its gas needs from Russia, and this has certainly lowered somewhat during the recent month, but gas flows from Russia are down more than 75% from a normal flow. Note, this is uh, a largest part of the Nord Stream uh, being uh, constrained. Uh, According to Jim, the Nord Stream pipeline will continue to be constrained uh, because that's the whole strategy from Putin right now. And Jim Bianco continues and says, make no mistake, Putin knows all this, which is why he is trolling Europe with leaks requiring a shutdown of Nord Stream for an unspecified period of time. So Putin is basically shutting down Nord Stream saying just on the play that that's going to make things really painful for Europe. Uh, of course, this none of this should be a surprise. Putin gave a speech in June saying that he was going to do this. Now he's actually doing it. Uh, and so what does all this mean? Europe has all the gas it needs as long as they're a- available to drain their bank accounts for it, says Jim Bianco. So TLDR, uh, there is adequate natural gas reserves. It was really expensive. It only solves 30% of the problem. uh, And that remaining 70% of that problem is going to be expensive even further. And so how are they going to pay for it? Some form of money printing, some form of bailouts, some form of taxation, but it's not going to be pretty either way, is I think the summary of this thread.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting about that as it affects monetary policy is, of course, energy bills, they're soaring for average business owners and average citizens. That means everything else gets more expensive. And so there have already been some government interventions. So the UK is uh, deploying some price caps on energy contracts, um, but the bills across energy have been, utility bills have been soaring nonetheless. Italy is approving new aid packages. We've seen similar aid packages in Germany. And the one in Italy is you know, $12 billion in government funding to help shield firms and families from surging energy costs. And so I think what we're going to see across all of Europe is essentially um, the government has to uh, deploy policies and deploy uh, funds, stimulus funds, to help consumers and help businesses mm. pay for these energy costs. And where's that going to come from? It's not from additional tax revenue, very likely. It's mostly going to be in the form of money printing. And they're doing yeah. this with the backdrop of inflation continues to heat up too. Right. And so they are cutting checks uh, to people to help them pay for their energy needs. Yet at the same time, the European Central Bank just last week, raised rates by 75 uh, basis points in order to tackle soaring inflation. So it's this like rock in a hard place that central banks and governments are are trying to to manage. And uh, it's a very difficult place to be.
0: Yeah. And like, I don't know if this is bullish or bearish. It's bullish because money printing means asset prices go up. It's bearish because people are like struggling and that's never good. And that can result in many different things. Like people are burning, burning their bills and, and like protesting, paying their energy bills. Like, so it's just like, I don't know whether it's bullish or, or bearish, but it's definitely chaotic. And chaotic makes me scared. Markets don't like chaos.
1: Do you know, uh, speaking of chaos, so I read this great post this week and uh, from Arthur Hayes. Yet again, Arthur Hayes, mm-hmm. right, writing it up. And uh, we had Arthur on the podcast um, earlier this week, too. So, guys, if you haven't tuned into that episode, it's a fantastic episode. He's talking all about the merge trade. But um, maybe I could just, because I know you haven't had a chance to read this, David, but let me just, like, summarize it for you, because I think it's super valuable. Um, Basically, Arthur is saying, we're in wartime right now. People don't know it, but we're actually in wartime. And it's not, not talking about... The, the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, although that is a source of kinetic war. He's talking about economic war between Russia and China and uh, the US and the EU. And so his his central thesis for this article is like, we're in economic war. Wars could escalate in various ways, but at least acknowledge we're in economic war. We were also previously in, in a war against a virus, in a COVID war. Right. Uh, and so we and we saw we we saw all sorts of uh, restrictions and and money printing as a result of that. So, the the tale of the twenty twenties has so far has been kind of like war. It's economic like an economic war wars, decade, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Economic wars and wars against viruses and COVID. And what happens during war when you look at it historically? Well, two things happen: inflation, which inflation. we've talked about a lot, but the second, which is somewhat interesting, is capital controls. And the reason nation states flags, as Arthur calls them put capital controls in place is so that their citizens can't get out of the inflation, right. so that we're all kind of in it together. If we are going into an economic war or total war mode, then all of the citizens need to be united right. and uh, spend whatever is necessary in order to help the government and help the, the people, help the nation win the war. And right. so the very first thing that nations do when wartime gets um, worse is they impose uh, capital controls and, and, and sanctions. And so we saw just glimmers of that, I think, during COVID. We're seeing a bit more with the, the Russian economic sanctions. Mm-hmm. But Arthur goes through history and, and talks about times where it's gotten a whole lot worse. And this, I think, is a, an interesting uh, piece of history that I would personally like to study a little bit more. And maybe we can do a bankless episode on this in the future. But um, let's take the US in World War II. Um, did you know that before World War II, so this is during the Great Depression, uh, FDR put in place a Emergency Banking Act in 1933 that essentially um, meant a gold confiscation. So the problem was citizens at that time were um, trying to escape from inflation, from other economic wars, by uh, taking their assets and putting it in coins, bars, gold certificates. And FDR basically made that illegal. You couldn't exit the existing fiat system through a store of value like gold anymore. Uh, And did you know that gold, private citizens, American citizens owning gold, was actually illegal until December 1974? So this was like a, you know, a capital control that lingered. And this is when the US, which they came out of the Depression like fairly strong. They actually won World War World War II. Uh, if you look at other countries like, you know, Germany, for example, and Japan, the capital controls were far more severe. Right. Uh there was no way for the average citizen to actually escape. And so Arthur is kind of adding these things up. Like, we're in kind of this early wartime uh, period. Things could get worse. They may not, right? Like, hopefully, probabilistically, um, you know, things will end up okay, but they could get worse. Uh, And when they do, expect inflation and then also expect capital controls. Mm -hmm. And his overarching point toward the end of the article is basically this. The time to escape from the fiat system is not after they put the capital controls in place. (laughs) So it's basically the time to buy... Assets, non-inflationary assets, like Bitcoin, like Ether, in the digital mode, maybe, maybe like other things, if you think- Real these estate, are, yeah. Maybe, or like that can be uh, capital-controlled very well by the nation state. Sure. Ideally, you want to kind of exit the system entirely, and so you're not right. dependent on the existing banking system. The, the the time to do that is now, is right. his point. And, and uh, yeah, I, I guess some dark thoughts this week, yeah. like as I was thinking about all of these things, but I think he's absolutely
0: right. And the basic calculus as to like what happens during fiat currencies during wartime, right? Like wartime is destruction. Like capital gets destroyed. Like we spend capital to build a tank, that tank goes to war, tank blows up, that capital gets destroyed. Fiat money, which paid for that tank, becomes like printed and inflated to move atoms. And what is ultimately war is like it's a fight over the way that the physical world looks, and so, people like governments are using their fiat currencies as like, the ultimate like, power that, that creates and supports and directs the resources of a world, an, an army. Uh, and when two armies are going at each other, like, what happens is that ultimately the most downstream net effect of war is that inflation happens. Uh, and so, like, destruction creates inflation. Uh, And so and why there's capital controls is like the nation state is like, yo, we are all in this together. Y'all can't sell your dollars because we need to sell the dollars to pay for war. And so you guys can't sell dollars. Only we can sell dollars. And we sell dollars by minting dollars and then selling them. Uh, And so, like, you know, usually this works when the populace is behind the effort. This is like, you know, buy yes. war bonds in World War II. And people are like, okay, I'll buy war bonds. You know, like my, my son is going to war. I feel really scared for his life. How can I help? I'll buy war bonds. Yep. Ryan, I don't really think the populace of today is in that kind of, sentiment to buy war bonds uh well, certainly I, not now certainly and not like now.
1: like like arthur goes through the kind of the return on investment of of war bonds basically even for the u.s who actually won the war and this like mm-hmm. negative 40 to 60 percent right if you actually bought the war bonds right you lost money right. in real terms some and people lost lives some people time.
0: lost money it was a group effort
1: yeah um so anyway very interesting but i i think that um people have to start thinking, we have to start thinking about fiat currency and what it actually is. Mm. And it's actually just a form of short-term debt yeah. to the government. You're lending yeah. money to the government in exchange for your hard assets, like commodities, like energy, essentially. and yeah. uh, We're starting to see that in Europe play out. Anyways, uh, back anyway, to the merge. <laughs> back to lighter news. What's coming up next, David?
0: Coming up next, the merge. Did you know it's happening next week? I hope you did, because we talked about it earlier in this episode and last week and the week before that but it's actually next week, so we're gonna talk about the merge schedule, what you need to know, what you need to do, all that stuff. Uh, Binance, rugs, all non-USD stable coins, but it's a good thing. We'll figure out why. Uh, And lastly, Coinbase proposes something big to MakerDAO. This is unrelated to how Coinbase is also suing the treasury. We're talking about all of these things and more, but first, a moment to talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. RocketPool is your decentralized Ethereum staking protocol. You can stake your ETH in RocketPool and get our ETH in return, allowing you to stake your ETH and use it in DeFi at the same time. You can get 4% on your ETH by staking it with RocketPool, but you can get even more by running a node. RocketPool is the only staking provider that allows anyone to permissionlessly join their network of validating Ethereum nodes. Setting up your RocketPool node is easier than running a node solo, and you only need 16 ETH to get started. You get an extra 15% staking commission on the pooled ETH that uses your node to stake you also get rpl token rewards on top so if you're bullish e-staking you can boost your yield by adding your node to the decentralized rocket pool network which currently has over 1,000 independent node operators it's yield farming but with ethereum nodes you can get started at rocketpool.net and you can also join the rocket pool community in their discord you can find me hanging out there sometimes in the chat so i'll see you there MakerDAO is the OG DeFi protocol, the first DeFi protocol to ever exist even before we called it DeFi. MakerDAO produces DAI, the industry's most battle-tested and resilient stablecoin. Using Maker, you don't need to sell your collateral if you need liquidity. Instead, you can spin up a Maker Vault and use your collateral to mint DAI directly. With Maker, the power to mint new money is in your hands. And there's something new in the MakerDAO ecosystem. Every time a new MakerDAO is opened, the owner can claim a POAP, which contributes funds to One Tree Planted, an organization with ongoing, Global reforestation efforts, creating a world where digital participation and the health of our environment can live side by side. Soon, Maker will be present on all chains and layer twos, bringing the biggest and best DeFi credit facility to everywhere there is DeFi. So, follow Maker on Twitter at MakerDAO and learn from the oldest and most resilient DAO in existence. Ryan, the last hard fork before the merge happened. It's called Bellatrix, happened last week, it's activated. There are now zero more steps between where we are now and the Ethereum merge. The next thing to happen on Ethereum is the merge. And the merge is happening next week, September 15th, Thursday morning. Is that September 15th? Yes. Yes. Uh, September 15th, Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, uh, later in European times. Uh, But that's what's next. The merge. The merge is next.
1: Okay. So Bellatrix being the last hard fork before the merge. How did that go, David? Can you go over that with us? It went
0: super, super well. Uh, Here is a tweet thread from Christine Kim, who's live tweeting as uh, Bellatrix happened. Uh, And then, so so some quick stats that she put forth. Network participation rate, 97.8%. Active validators, 420,000. Offline validators, 1,100. You know, that number can be expected. And then also here is just like a, a quick cheat sheet of client diversity. Everything is below 51%. That's good. We could still get Prism down, but it's not really going to stop us from doing anything. Uh, and then Bellatrix happens. Uh, and as a, as a, the other side of Bellatrix, every hard fork, you lose people that aren't ready. Uh, and 95% of people hard forked with the Bellatrix update. Uh, wow. And so like, You know, if we saw 95% with the actual merge, that would be fantastic. So 94.94%. And so uh, a few, so the 11,000 offline validators jumped up to 17,000, but you could imagine these people just like didn't update their nodes. All they have to go do is download more software, fix something, you know, unplug it, replug it in, something like that.
1: Is this right? Number of active validators, 403,000? Mm-hmm. Correct. That is the
0: beacon chain validators. Yeah. Not unique numbers of computers, but like 403,000 unique instances of 32 Ether, which is one validator, of course. Uh, And so 94.94% succeeded. And like all we need, Ryan, is 66%. All we need is 66% for it to be a flawless merge. And we had 94.94%.
1: Well, in my school growing up, 94% was an A. And
0: even if it was below 66%, it all it needs is like 24 hours to get above 66%. So it's not like this one moment we need to be above 66%. We just need to get to 66% like soonish.
1: Is this what the merge is going to look like? I'm looking at a meme here. It's like yeah. just a guy staring at his computer, and then like he's got the a serious happens. face, and then yeah. he's got a little celebratory thing. And he goes it is like this naturally like,
0: anticlimactic thing of this like, <laughs> invisible software it's just changes. not going like, to be. Not this time.
1: We're going <laughs> to make it fun yeah. <laughs> on the social layer. But yeah, I mean, like it's just code, I guess, in the background. Mm-hmm. Not a lot's happening. hmm uh, what's this tweet saying, David?
0: Yeah, this is Adrian saying, Bellatrix looking good so far. Again, this is moments after the merge. Definitely some people who didn't update, probably around 5%, turned out that was right. But money at stake, we should see that get fixed up pretty quickly. So Bellatrix, Bellatrix the, the uh, update, doesn't actually mean too much. Like, you go offline if something's bad, but you get the leakage response. Like, because there's because there's money at stake with the merge. Then there is money at stake with Bellatrix because it was the Beacon Chain. Yes. But like this is why this is, has such a good success rate and why even if it repairs like, fast, it heals.
1: It fast. It repairs
0: so fast because there's financial incentive. Unlike all previous test nets, which is like, yo, we're gonna do a dry run. Yeah. There are like you know ticket paying audience members in the theater waiting to see the merge, and so like you don't mess up then. Because no. there's incentive.
1: You're, you're losing ETH every yes. every few minutes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. This is getting some exposure in mainstream. I've seen a yeah. number of articles. Uh, this is an article from The Economist mm-hmm. about the merge. The title is The Future of Crypto is at Stake in Ethereum Switch. A lot of these articles, David, they're pretty surface level, but they're also pretty good. Yeah, and they're like, also they about the energy, correct.
0: obviously. They're like, oh, yeah, like look at that subtitle. Can decentralized networks reform themselves? As uh, in like repent for their energy consumption and (laughs) like that's always been like they're not going to talk about ultrasound money they're not going to talk about ethers deflation they're talking about how
1: ethereum is going to go green that's all right they gotta leave some space for us to talk (laughs) the economists can't steal our content come on guys Uh i like i think a lot of people are also wondering whether a proof of uh, work chain will remain Mm -hmm. and i think people are just curious like if i have some eth will i get a free fork They've maybe received a a fork um, funds in the past. And there is talk of Ethereum proof of work fork that could be happening. What are we looking at right here on CoinGecko? I think the the chart we have pulled up is uh, for an asset called the Ethereum proof of work fork IOU. What is this thing?
0: Yeah, this is basically a tokenized future of the Ethereum POW chain. Ryan, I want to say this extremely clearly. I've said it all the other times on this show. I I think listeners should expect getting zero dollars from the ETH proof of work fork. I think this is a game that's being played by traders who are trying to meme this thing into existence. I think people who are positioning themselves to capture that ETH proof of work token are going to find themselves receiving roughly zero dollars from this trade. I'm gonna- Unless
1: they're super fast. Unless, unless they're super Arbing, fast and sophisticated in playing this just, game. You're talking about like just normal retail traders. Normal retail traders. for like a few right. bucks.
0: I don't think there's gonna be this brand new like proof of work chain that spawns off and like you see you see extra ether show up in like a different wallet. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, I know I can go to the reasons why, but it would just be me ranting for like 10 minutes.
1: I, I know here we're looking at kind of a, a, a futures market, right? So right. this is, you know, but it's um, it's about like two to three percent or so the price of ETH, right? It's Thirty one dollars
0: for one proof of work ether, as opposed one, to the current price of ether, which is sixteen hundred thirty two dollars.
1: And this is one hypothetical, right? Hypothetical, it doesn't even exist yeah. yet. It's hypothetical. Um, but you know, another way to look at this, of course, is um, to look at the liquidity on this. We're talking just such low liquidity, right, 24-hour yeah. volume of 350000 know, $350, It's not nothing. It's, kind of, it's not zero. Not nothing, but it's kind of a yeah. lowish cap, yeah. you know, yeah. DeFi token would have something similar. So don't expect it. It could happen. It could happen. Here's the thing. We'll answer some questions. I think we had a lot of questions this week about uh, what do you do in case you want to receive a hypothetical ETH proof-of-work coin? Is there anything you have to do right. in case that happens? Sure. Uh, the good news is in a hypothetical not hypothetical scenario
0: that it happens, yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> D- D- David we'll doesn't. Waste w- my do you God not want breath. this to happen? Do you not? I just don't this? think it will. Like, okay, I'm going to speed run this. Like, how are these <laughs> how are these users going to access this chain? Are they going to update their their, their uh, RPC endpoint in Infura? Somebody Infura is going to have to accept it, which means they're going to have to run their own node that connects to the Ethereum uh, non proof of work chain, which means they're going to download old. C- consensus software
1: like there's yeah. gonna have to
0: be a client for this thing like people are gonna have to just to make it, where's it all the have infrastructure
1: f- if they have their funds in like you know coinbase and exchange coinbase would have to obviously like release it to them there's yes. a lot of stuff poloniex
0: is going to do that but if just one exchange services this like service for people i think it's not is-
1: anything this does feel different than previous forks that we've seen, which actually had some traction, like Ethereum Classic for right. one, had some tr- traction. Right. But even in the Bitcoin world, Bitcoin Cash it was like Roger Ver. It's, it con- like, yeah, it's we've contentious. got contentious forks. Yeah, we've got a you know a developer community like noth- no one no community is rallying around mm-hmm. the ETH proof of other than thing. the
0: miners. And the
1: only reason why the miners are rallying on it because
0: they want to dump
1: on you because that's their business model. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I I, totally see the point. So yeah. don't expect any free bucks. I wish I wish we had uh, better news for you. But, you know, if you do see that token, maybe like, you know, sell it real quick yeah. before everyone else does. Yeah. Uh, you know what's kind of bullish about this, though, David, and this is really this. good to see, yeah. is the at-home staking community. 100%. Shout out solo stakers. What are we looking at, David? I know we've got a bunch of images lined up. Yes, uh, Super
0: Fizz, who's just a fantastic community member of the Ethereum community, just really focused on proof of stake, the merge, and also just fundamentally bullish on stake from home. He started this whole stake from home meme, uh, and I found all of these tweets because he retweeted it. So just shout out to Super Fizz. And this is just like this hodgepodge group of people who like live at home and they're staking at home. Like, look at this mess. Look at this absolute absence of cable management while this Wait, person. Wait, where's
1: the where's the staking node? It's that little black. Black square.
0: It's a little black square <laughs> right awesome, there.
1: Man. Connected to the router, kinda, like with is. a tiny ass
0: keyboard that doesn't even
1: like... This does not look like a data center.
0: So. This is not professional. This is just like amateur at home staking. Here's somebody with uh, like the the uh, Panda sticker on their like Intel NUC, their NUC. those like tiny little computers uh, running Rocket Pool. Here's another one, like again, a, a stake at home, smaller than a pen. Like we're going to keep, we got like 15 it's of these. Smaller so we're, than we're, a pen, Yeah, like. so like here's another one connected to this, Ooh, uh, this battery. Oh, this guy's beefy. Yeah, well, no, so that's the battery. It's the oh, tiny little—it's the tiny little like and uh, in the Intel machine that's up or, up in the uh, shelf, in but it's on the battery office. in case like the power goes out. Uh, here, here's somebody having their tiny little com- com- staking computer on top of their PS4 next to their family photos, next to their baby, <laughs> like their a grandkid or kid or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's another
1: child. My validator yeah. is my uh, right. child. Yeah. It's my yeah. And
0: so here's one. It's, it's a, laptop. a laptop,
1: just like you know, sitting on some, just shelves. some old laptop sitting in the basement. That's right. what This one looks like. Yeah,
0: like here's okay. here's a nice like professional looking one, like it's uh, very so very clean. Yeah, yeah, you can see this on our, our battle stations maybe. Uh, here's one with like a stuffed dog next to it, like r- right next to like all their other server stuff. Uh, here's one sitting under a shelf, right next to somebody's modem with a fan on it to make it cool. Here's one with a post-it <laughs> note that says "Don't touch. This is Daddy's." <laughs> Signed Daddy. Yeah, kids, don't touch this. Next uh, next to like some home server. Uh, well, cause it, kids, if you do touch it, the family loses money. All right? Yeah, right, don't touch dad's validator, please. Here's like a custom made raspberry pie with like some ETH branding on it that somebody clearly just like put together in like a wood shop. Uh, you know, here's somebody like with their again like a very small box and Intel and UC thing uh, with like the little temperature monitor. This is like,
1: inside of a home entertainment This is like system. yeah, right
0: next to their like home family TV right and Xbox, your, right? Yeah,
1: right, right next to your like your Fire Stick. Or right, your, they like, got that little uh, like monitor.
0: Yeah, like this is great. Like yeah, uh, here's like somebody's like cooler, bigger one. I think this might be actually super physics. uh Here's one like baked into a shelf, just like what? built in. Right. So like that's their Hue light mode, and like they have it like hooked up to their. <gasps> (gasps) shelf that Uh, is awesome yeah it is great here's austin griffith you know pointing behind him this is his setup of course uh uh here's one with like a vitalic photo okay so we're getting to the good ones here this guy is is staking in his mobile home (laughs) he has a full-size computer and he's in the forest of washington staking mobily via satellite like wow. how are you you're not Look, even on the grid no, Dude, he is off the grid he's off like, the
1: grid this is like solar powered or something staking. yes uh-huh how crazy not even is that on the grid not even connected in a amazing,
0: campsite amazing amazing uh and here's one hit this guy has it in his kitchen up on top of his shelves and so like it's above you his kitchen cabinets. It. It's and above it's him. like I just love how this is in this dude's kitchen and there's like there's the Cuisinart. A KitchenAid. the, the kitchen like art that yeah. like uh, somebody's making Cuisine cookies art, with. Yeah. Like I'm sorry you're not seeing this kind of stuff with professional proof of work miners. This is in my mind the reason why we can share all of these photos is because of what the purposes of proof of work or proof of stake is. So why,
1: why does this matter? Is this just like hardware porn? Like why are we even So uh, it's this? a little bit
0: hardware porn, but it's the point is is that Ethereum becomes as decentralized as capital and hardware, which are very fundamentally decentralized? And that was my take that I put in here. It's like the reason why we can share these photos is because how like Ethereum exists in people's homes. This Yo, is th- this, this Ethereum is what decentralization by the for the people. Yes, this
1: is this is what decentralization looks like. Right, scroll through it. It's like 100%. run this from home. This is your check yeah. on the network. Where this individuals is, right. have power over the network. This is fork out a change that they don't like. You making just a
0: little bit of money, four, five, six, seven percent on your ETH for just doing the network thing, doing the ETH thing.
1: I I thought you couldn't run a validator from home. I was told this.
0: I think a lot of listeners actually haven't heard that because the Bitcoiners who say (laughs) that have just become more and more and more relevant over these days. Now,
1: yeah. Uh, What is this from Jonathan Mann, of course, put together a nice song. Should we play it for people?
0: Yeah, Jonathan Mann is the song a day man. So of course he sang a song about staking from home. So here it is.
1: lot to uh, celebrate over Merge Week, of course, including solo stakers. But David, let's talk a little bit more about the stablecoin wars, because mm-hmm. Binance did a thing this week. Did a thing. They have stopped supporting USDC. This is, of course, one of the largest stablecoins in the world, second to Tether. USDC, it's kind of a Coinbase circle, American re- regulated bank stablecoin type product, and Binance isn't having it anymore. Essentially, they have converted all of the USDC funds over to their own stablecoin, which is called BUSD. This is the Binance stablecoin, similar product in a lot of respects. Not as American regulated, certainly not a Coinbase product or a Circle product either. Mm-hmm. What's going on here, David? Yeah, and it's actually not just
0: USDC. It's also Pax Dollar and True USD. These are much smaller stablecoins, but all three of these stablecoins are just being swapped on the back end to. BUSC. So if you had USEC or PAX or TrueUSC deposited into Binance, congrats, you now own BUSC instead. A different stable coin. A different stable coin. Yeah. This is
1: kind of like an analogy I think is if, um, you know, when you deposit funds into Wells Fargo, they're Mm -hmm. actually like dollar IOUs. They're Wells Fargo Fargo dollar IOUs, right? Yeah. And if you deposit it into uh, Chase Bank, they're Chase dollar IOUs. This is as if um, Chase Bank was holding Wells Fargo IOUs and they said, no more Wells Fargo IOUs. They're just all Chase IOUs now. Right. It's kind of what's happening here. Yeah. And like so no capital was
0: lost because it's all one for one. It's all like kind assets. Uh, but just like, you know, the bankless take here is that bankless banks can do whatever they want with your money. Uh, other banks throughout history, like central banks have said like, you know, $20 bills no longer valid, just like that. Now, this kind of feels a little bit like that, but at least no no users lost their money. And actually, there are some huge proponents of this, saying it's actually really a really good move, mainly because you can actually still withdraw U.S.E.C. So if you have dollar, it's basically making all dollars on Binance homogenous, which is actually a good move. Uh, it's pooling so- liquidity. Right. So like yeah, so like if you you just now have Binance dollars, which is literally what it's called, but if you want to withdraw USDC to Ethereum, they actually still give you that option. So like you deposit dollars into Binance, it gets turned to BUSD on the back end your Binance account. So it's like okay, you credited this many dollars, and then you can withdraw those dollars and turn it into. What do you want to turn it into? USDC on Ethereum, DAI on like Optimism, like True USD on Avalanche. Like it still lets you do that. It's just homogenizing dollars in the deposit side. And this is actually very good for liquidity because like rather than having like Bitcoin trade against USDC and BUSD and UST, it's just just now it's just BUSD. So actually these order pairs actually get more liquid. Uh, Interestingly, they did not do this for Tether. Uh, And I think that's because of the manual redeemability of Tether. I think this is the case. Uh, And so the take here is that uh, it's a a good UX upgrade for depositing stable coins, except for Tether, Tether gets a little bit left out here. And so there's a a prediction here that says that this moves leads to a gradual net share shift from USDT Tether to Binance, Dollar, and USDC. And this is also echoed by Jeremy Allaire, who is supported of this move by Binance. Uh, And so the argument here is that this actually cuts out steps for USDC users who want to trade on Binance. Mm. Uh, And so this is actually removing a step and still enabled everything that you could do before. FTX actually already had this and built into their exchange um, and so but like this actually this feature doesn't get embedded into us uh, t- into tether because tether has this like T plus one settlement time I'm a little bit hairy on the details um, but that's the hot takes here
1: yeah Jeremy Lair of course is the the CEO of circle who would be mm-hmm. you know very incentive to respond negatively to this if he felt it was negative to uh, USDC right. Um, yeah, I think it's there's an element of this is news, but it's also kind of non-news. Um, there's there's also an element of like, uh, rest assured, this is definitely, in, you'd say it's in, in Binance users' best interest maybe from a pooled liquidity perspective, but it's definitely in Binance's best interest, right? They want to propagate... BUSD. And what's interesting about this to me is like, we're fine with uh, centralized stablecoins. Like, the bankless position is hey, they can provide some good UX, right? USDC, um, BUSD, w- whatever it is. But we should also recognize their limitations. And these are e- effectively um, bank coins, sometimes on crypto rails, but they're issued by bankers. Both are fine, it's good UX, but neither of them are decentralized. Uh, And I do think that each bank over time, of course, they're going to be biased towards their own stablecoin. The interesting juxtaposition, of course, is Ethereum is credibly neutral and biased towards neither. It cannot favor USDC. It cannot favor BUSD in any uh, stretch. Uh, It's interesting when you consider, you know, something like the Binance chain, for example, you can very easily see that maybe favoring a Binance centric stablecoin over another type of stablecoin. We're not going to get that on a truly decentralized system like Ethereum. So, banks will be banks. They're going to play their bank games, and some of it will be good UX, and some of it will not be detrimental, but it's definitely not decentralized. Um, David, speaking of banks playing speaking bank games, banks, uh, right Coinbase. Base, and MKR, there is Coinbase proposing some kind yeah. of agreement to the Maker community? What is this? Yeah,
0: Coinbase, the exchange, is making a proposal to MakerDAO the DAO. Uh, and so they make this proposal for MakerDAO to take one-third of its USDC, of its which is about 1.6 billion. 1.6 billion is one-third of it, so multiply that by three and you get the total supply. Again, can't do math. Uh, listeners, do that in your head. But Coinbase is proposing that 1.6 billion USDC in Maker's vaults be deposited into Coinbase to earn yield with Coinbase. And they are offering Maker 1.5 yield on their 1.6 billion USDC, and MakerDAO is currently getting 0% on that USDC. So this would net MakerDAO about $24 million in yearly revenue if they agree to do this. And so some of the parameters here is that... um, Uh, Maker will pay zero custody fees on USDC held by uh, Coinbase Prime. So Coinbase isn't charging Maker for this. Uh, Maker governance will be able to freely mint, burn, withdraw, and settle almost instantaneously in USDC less than six minutes consistent with Coinbase's Prime standard offering. One of the reasons why this works is this highly automated. Uh, And then the rewards from the USDC account with Coinbase will be calculated based on the weighted average of assets on the platform each month and paid out on the fifth business day of the following month. Uh, And so... Some some takes are like, well, you're taking collateral that's backing Dai, and you're giving it to Coinbase. Is, does that offer any like sort of security risk or centralization risk? Rune responded to this criticism, saying, from a regulatory, legal, and seizure risk perspective, this proposal changes nothing because there was already centralization risk with the USDC anyways, and mm-hmm. also like Circle and Coinbase are kind of in bed together. Like formally, they have a formal agreement, yeah. uh, and so like there's not additional risks here. Uh, another community question uh, came in. It's like, why not adv- advocate to like Ave or Compound? You would improve censorship resistance, reduce centralization risk, and it's lightly, less likely than a risk to a custodial service. Uh, and I guess actually the answer to this is exactly what I just said. USC is already a centralized service. It's, it's already asset. custodial. Right. It's already custodial, yeah. Uh, but also it would nuke the yields inside of DeFi. And so... Mm putting out USEC into DeFi, sucks up DeFi yields, and they actually want that DeFi yield to actually go work for DAI. So they're using their USEC for Coinbase to get external yields. So it's actually going out and get getting external yields into crypto rather than just like having this internal circular
1: economy where we're just like lending each other our stable coins. Um, so that's that. I guess uh, it's interesting. A few uh, maybe hot takes for me on this are like, number one, isn't it cool? That a company like Coinbase is proposing mm-hmm. a proposal on the Maker Governance Forums. That is cool.
0: That is really cool. Like, that's yeah.
1: really neat. So, mm-hmm. I love that piece of it. And I, and I also think, I mean, my other hot take is probably like Coinbase is probably looking at some of the discussion around the USDC concentration in the MKR. Remember, we talked about last week these factions right. of the Maker uh, community and, and die And, you know, one faction wants to completely eject. All centralized stable coins from the backing of DAI. And here's Coinbase coming in with a sweetener. 1.5% annual APY if you don't. And so that's interesting as well. So uh yeah, it's it I it's always fascinating, David, to see how all of this, you know, has evolved. And you know, makers a relatively new project, like five years right. old. Now here it's getting uh, on the governance, well, it's, not, it's not
0: new in crypto terms. It's no. new in global terms. It's yeah. new.
1: It's new as a new kind of like operation, new type. It's of- new in the same way that crypto is early. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, uh, my David, my hot take here is yeah, that. What's your hot take? This
0: actually doesn't fit the protocol sync thesis. I always thought Coinbase would be depositing money into MakerDAO, not making proposals for MakerDAO to deposit money into it. That actually seems inverted from what I would expect, because this is like a protocol is on top of a centralized entity rather than a centralized entity being on top of a protocol. That's my hot take is like that actually didn't really fit my model here.
1: Yeah, it's I I see that as well. It's it's interesting to ask what actually is Maker, right? right? Like, it's not quite a bank. It's not fully a protocol. What is it? right it's some it's some kind of new thing in the middle something huh? it's, it's something. a dow i got a new sort of bank dow david what's coming up next though it's not the
0: last time we're
1: going to be hearing from coinbase in
0: this weekly roll up because they are also suing the treasury department so go pop your popcorn once you're done with your coffee and then also the ens august numbers are in and they're hot because they're always been hot so we're <laughs> going to cover those numbers and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible There is a brand new staking feature in the Ledger Live app today. We all like staking the assets that we're bullish on, and now you can stake seven different coins inside the Ledger Live app. Cosmos, Polkadot, Tron, Algorand, Tezos, Solana, and of course, Ethereum. With Ledger Live, you can take money from your bank account, buy your most bullish crypto asset, and stake that asset to its network all inside the Ledger Live app. Through a partnership with Figment, Ledger also lets you choose which validator you want to stake your assets with. And Ledger is running its own validating nodes, offering a convenient way to participate in network validation, and it even comes with slashing insurance. Ledger Live is truly becoming the battle station for the bankless world. So go download Ledger live if you have a ledger already you probably already have it and get started securely staking your crypto assets The Brave Browser is the user-first browser for the Web3 Internet, with over 60 million monthly active users. And inside the Brave Browser, you'll find the Brave Wallet, the secure multi-chain crypto wallet built right into the browser. Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. And most crypto wallets are browser extensions, which can easily be spoofed. But the Brave Wallet is different. No extensions are required, which gives Brave Browser an extra level of security versus other wallets. Brave Wallet is your secure passport for the possibilities of Web3. it supports multiple chains, including Ethereum and Solana. You can even buy crypto directly inside the wallet with Ramp. And of course, you can store, send and swap your crypto assets, manage your NFTs and connect to other wallets and DeFi apps. So whether you're new to crypto or you're a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions and it's time to switch to the Brave wallet. Download Brave at
1: brave.com bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. It's still airdrop season, David. One-inch users on Optimism are receiving an airdrop of 300,000 OP tokens. In order to receive this, you had to be a highly active one-inch user on Optimism, and you get a little airdrop bonus incentive in the Mm -hmm. form of OP tokens. Any thoughts here?
0: Yeah, this is just really the effort of distributing OP tokens to users of Optimism. Again, using crypto rewards you, at least it, it tends to. This one is unique, though, in the sense that 1inch already had an airdrop uh, with a 1inch token, and they already had users on Optimism. I'm not really sure if this is actually like moving the needle of just like incenting usage of Optimism, Um, but it is distributing OP tokens widely, which I guess is good.
1: I'm actually I think, left with
0: more question marks on than than anything on this one.
1: I think the new like meta for airdrops is you got to be doing stuff on layer two. So yeah, that is maybe that is, one that of is the learning meta. lessons from this, which yeah. is in order to get your next airdrop um, hit. You got to be active in Mm. a layer two like Optimism or Arbitrum or like later ZK Sync, Starkware and and others. So uh, take note, my friends. Um, Let's flip over to NFTs, though. Uh, Do you know Reddit? We talked about Reddit launching NFTs, except they're secretly not calling them NFTs. Uh, for the reddit community and they are actually selling fairly well david some of these nfts are selling for over two thousand dollars and uh all of the ones that they've released so far have uh, sold out which is pretty fascinating looking at some of the nfts here
0: i get this is just good adoption of reddit i'm loving where this is going uh i want to see more i want to see more What's delivering more, though, Ryan, (laughs) is the August numbers for ENS. Uh, So we got the August numbers, 301,000 new .eth registrations, so minting new ENS names is still hot. That's $4.7 million in protocol revenue, of course, all going to the DAO. Uh, and so we got some unique new holders, of course. Thirty-four thousand new Ethereum wallets that are holding at least one new ENS name. And of course, like always, ninety-nine percent of domains on OpenSea are being sold as ENS because I don't even know what another like domain service provider is. Uh, so ENS you know, numbers are hot. I think the four, the the 10K club where like if you have an ENS number that is zero through nine 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 nine, nine has like a floor price of three, which is wow pretty good. Really? Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. That's maintained. It wasn't just a
0: blip, huh? No, not not just maintained for sure. That's
1: funny to me. That ENS uh, names are like they're the bear market NFT. Yeah, they really are. They've become like the, yeah. like I saw them last week. Converge on fundamentals, uh, right? Like these are non-speculative. These are totally going to be around. Forget for the, future. the JPEGs. Yeah. You can actually use a domain. Just like, text ENS <laughs> domain name. For just, text. <laughs> no JPEX, but like, just text. No JPEGs. But like useful. I <laughs> yeah. mean, like you can use it to like name right. your ETH address or mm-hmm. like you know direct an IPFS website yep. or something like this. And you yep. can't do do as much with your JPEG. So they, last week I saw they were actually exceeding the trading volume of uh, Board Apes. Yeah, so, so the
0: trading volume was 2,300 Ether in the last month. Board Apes was at 2,120 Ether. Ooh, mm. I'm the captain now. Mm. <laughs> 9,000 <laughs> ENS names have changed hands in the last seven days. So they, like, not only are the, like, the ENS like, registrations happening, new ENS domains are coming into the world, but like, people are also just like, trading them
1: around too. It's crazy. Bullish. I kept the ENS airdrop too, David. I don't know if you did, but I I I I wasn't able to claim mine.
0: My my, mine got burnt. Oh, sad. You lost tokens. I lost tokens. Yeah. Yeah,
1: This sounds like. But I don't have to pay
0: taxes on them. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i'm that's what i'm claiming i don't if i can't if i can't claim the tokens I, di- I can't pay taxes <laughs> God. somebody fact check that for
1: us <laughs> i lost the private uh, keys if i don't have the private keys i don't i can't claim the tokens well if you said it in a podcast it's 100 percent true uh-huh. so if any irs uh-huh. agents are listening the to irs us, agent
0: is like okay deduct five hundred dollars david- <laughs> of, I- of the
1: dues paid by david hoffman like okay <laughs> yep they're listening <laughs> that's, how, the, that's uh, how taxes work one thing that remains bullish is nfts for public goods what is trent doing here with the protocol guild uh in this nft issuance
0: yeah so the protocol guild is this guild that's really meant to provide things for the market for the community that people might want and then sell those things and then give that revenue to protocol devs um open it's a big so- sale yeah it's like yeah lemonade sale bake sale uh but the protocol devs you know development funding development has always been like a problem in open mm. source world uh and also with ethereum uh and so the protocol guild has gone after that problem and so they are making nfts with like actually really just like big deal artists uh and platforms and so there's this whole like network around like producing some really cool nfts so like while it seems like a bake sale like oh like buy a cookie no, send big. Yeah. it's big this is like these are coveted nfts uh, and yeah, so I and think people are going to play the speculation game on these things.
1: Look at this. 120 Ethereum core devs that this guy's Being funded, to, yeah. Being mm-hmm. funded. And that's amazing because uh, guess why next week is Merch Week, David? It's because of these people. Right. It's because the Ethereum core yeah. devs. They, they made it, here, it happen. Yeah. And so now is a good time to celebrate them. You could do so by uh, purchasing an NFT and the proceeds go to the devs right. via the protocol guild. I've checked which, out some
0: of the art on these things, both yeah. from like some of it's not released yet, but you can just check out because like some artists are on board. Uh, other artists haven't been revealed yet, but like this is not just like a you know, you know casual thing. This is like a big deal thing. Like artists are coming, secret artists, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like the art of what has been revealed is pretty damn cool. Pretty damn cool. Another way to uh, I will be the merch. participating in this. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Ooh, yes. Here we go. That's okay. Victor story. Victor Bunin out of Coinbase. He works at Coinbase Cloud, but definitely just like core to, deep in Coinbase says. Today, we announced that Coinbase is funding and supporting a lawsuit by six individuals against the Treasury Department sanctions of Tornado Cash smart contracts, an open source piece of software. You can read more about the details here. So, six individuals are suing the Treasury Department, and Coinbase is footing the bill and basically coordinating everything. Uh, here so, we go. Nice it's job, capital. Coinbase. Okay, Let's okay, do this. So this is basically. Are you ready to rumble? <laughs>
1: this is basically so you guys know because you've been listening to the roll up uh, mm-hmm. the last few weeks. Dave and I have talked a lot about Tornado Cash the OFAC sanctioning of smart contracts. Mm. And the uncou- unconstitutionality of it, or the illegality of it, we've done a number of episodes about that with Jake Travinsky. And the question is, okay, what is the crypto community going to do about it? And if you're an individual, right, with an ETH address, and right. your government has just told you if you use Tornado Cash to try to keep your you know, transactions private, you could go to jail for 30 years, mm. what can an individual yeah. do about How it? How can you get fight to back? The- Right. So now we have the infantry coming in. Mm-hmm. We have Coinbase stepping up and actually suing the Treasury Department well, no, on no, no, behalf no. of Coinbase funding the, funding the suing funding of the, the sue- Treasury. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Funding the lawsuit of the Treasury Department yeah. on the behalf of six plaintiffs. So six individual citizens like you and I uh, who are they are representing, and they are funding. They're paying yeah. the legal bills for these individuals. It's badass. That's man. super, Chad. Super they clap Chad of for, Coinbase. To Coinbase to do this. They don't have to do this. This is right. crypto native values above and right. beyond. In my opinion, pretty excited. I
0: I, I don't know how much this is going to cost. I imagine a decent amount. But overall, I actually do expect this to be like EV, like expected value positive for Coinbase. Because from a brand perspective, from from, from brand perspective, but also ensuring that like Coinbase can integrate with other DeFi projects. Maybe they'll integrate directly with like Tornado Cash. But if they stop the unwarranted regulation at Tornado Cash, then they're like free to like do stuff that's you know not so like ridiculous, like uh, not so dubious as privacy stuff. Just like you know, Compound, Aave, Uniswap. It really just stops the. Progress of dubious regulation so they don't have to fight it later.
1: So I think they're they're just got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. I mean, and this is where Coinbase is drawing a line in the sand. It's uh, great. This is a blog post from Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase. This is not legal. This is Brian Armstrong, the CEO and co founder of Coinbase. Mm. I always think things are stronger when they come from a co founder. And the TLDR of this post is Coinbase is funding a lawsuit brought by six people challenging the US Treasury Department's sanctions of the Tornado Cash smart contracts and asking the court to remove them from the U.S. sanctions list. The sanctions exceed Treasury's authority, harm innocent people, remove privacy and security options for crypto users, and stifle innovation. Well said. Coinbase's
0: legal officer told CNBC, it sets a dangerous precedent if this code can be designated without any limits imposed by law, any technology, any tool or system could be fair game for also being banned. So this is what I was saying is like, Coinbase, maybe Coinbase is cool with Tornado Cash being banned, but they know more than than Tornado Cash. Uh, And so in order to protect their future business models, ones that might not be alive today,
1: they are doing this. Uh, thank you, thank you, Coinbase. Well done. Did you know? Did you know, David? Alex. Um, Alex.eth mm-hmm. is actually one of the plaintiffs here.
0: Ah, Alex, great guy. This is
1: Alex.eth on Twitter. Uh, he says, "Today, I joined five other plaintiffs in challenging the U.S. Treasury's no-fact sanctions against Tornado Cash." A regular citizen, uh, Ethereum that uh, known for a while mm-hmm. in the space, just on Twitter and other places. Um, I'm out with him in Denver. He's saying, "I did not take this decision lightly." Being a plaintiff in the case, yeah. so this yeah. also required bold action by individual citizens, individual crypto natives and crypto citizens. But he said, "Code is and is speech, and free speech is a constitutional right and worth protecting." Well done, Alex. I hope he gets a po up. You get the retweet, <laughs> man. Good job, Alex. Um, I'm proud of the community for 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 doing this. David, what do we got for releases?
0: Releases. Today, Curve USD was born. New decentralized stablecoin on the scene from Curve, which is an interesting place for a stablecoin to come out of because it is the source of stablecoin liquidity in all of DeFi. So I expect that to be highly competitive. Not much more to report, but that's, that's kind of big. Um, we just are going to have to wait and see as Curve USD gets uh,
1: integrated into the rest of DeFi. Uh, Binance.us is launching Ethereum staking with 6% APY 6%. Ahead of the merge. Yeah. So this 6%. is 6%. Yeah. Binance Binance.us. All right. So it's the US. Uh, you're trying to play catch up, obviously, with Coinbase right. and others and staking with a 6% APY. David, that has to be juiced because yeah. I know. You ain't getting 6% from the protocol right now, probably. Yeah, you're, getting,
0: you're getting 4%. Granted, they're only paying... They're, it will be 6-ish percent post-merge. So they're only juicing it for like two weeks ahead of the merge. Yep. So it's not that ridiculous. Maybe. Why they're juicing it in the first place, I don't know. Oh,
1: promotion. Uh, it's just like promotion, a promotion. Right, just yes, like, right, why yeah. would I do Coinbase if Coinbase is 4% and Fair. you know Maybe. Binance yeah. is 6% if you're just not really Fair. looking carefully at it? You just choose the higher APY. Right. But the yield
0: should jump up to at least five point something percent post merge, so they're not juicing it by that much.
1: This is kind of cool from Notional introducing leveraged vaults from Notional. What's going on here?
0: Yeah, basically, uh, you can. The way that this works is that a user, say for example, brings a hundred thousand USDC into Notional. That gives them a line of credit of up to seven hundred thousand dollars USDC from Notional or uh, 4%, and then you can combine those two things together to deposit this into this leverage yield vault. So it's a way to get like 8x on your yield um, is like the TLDR
1: of this product. Uh, probably some risk, but also pretty cool. Definitely some risk. Notional, of course, is uh, fixed rate lending and borrowing, which is really super cool to have a DeFi primitive mm-hmm. for that. But uh, as always with leverage, be careful out there, guys. Do not take yep. leverage unless you absolutely know what you do- you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a lot of you think you know what you're doing myself at times you, leverage, you find out that you don't You find out you don't the hard way you get liquidated david on the raises side one thing to cover what are we looking at here
0: mistin labs uh is the creator of the sui sui blockchain closes 300 million dollars raise led by ftx ventures a 300
1: million dollar raise that's not
0: a valuation no nope, valuation is two billion dollars what
1: you know we should, we should been... start a layer one <laughs> For what would be our price? Five billion. Five so billion dollars something valuation. higher, yeah. By <laughs> Do you know? Uh, this is kind of I, I've seen like this new crop of fast TPS blockchains. Yeah. And you see these kind of every every single cycle, right? I see it um, all the time now. This is just like yeah. Well, the very first one it was you know EO- EOS was you know one of the main ones, and then later um, I think in future like it was Solana. Now what's interesting is there seem to be three. This one, uh, SUI, mm-hmm. if we're saying it, pronouncing it correctly, and there's another one called SEI, Say. I think is maybe how you say that. So there's SUI, SEI, and there's Aptos. And you're getting a lot of the FTXs and the multi-chain capitals and a lot of the VC firms who are funding at these levels, like you know, a $2 billion market cap um, types of, of levels. So it's just interesting to me because you got to, we question, of course, right. we question all the time. What is the durable competitive right. advantage? Why is the token worth what it's worth as a layer one? Mm. And um, I guess it's the VCs taking on that risk right now. I just, I always get worried about the the retail dumpage that, right. that comes later um, without any significant progress on right. many of these projects and right. that is what can tend to happen although david i do feel like there probably could be a bankless episode where we explore these projects in some detail mm. i just i want to wait until there's some traction or right. like something to actually talk i'm about, sure right? they would
0: love that if we did that
1: well just the fundraise is kind of boring to me it's right. like what can we do what have you yeah. built that's the point at which uh we could get interested but like i don't even know the technology stack. I know Aptos is using like. There's too Move many, Ryan. There's Facebook. too many of these.
0: Sui, so say Aptos, like one of these things is going to zero at the very least, if not all three. So somebody's wasting their money.
1: Oh, yeah. Know, um, or am
0: I just an ETH Maxi or something?
1: Maybe David's an ETH Maxi. What do you think, Bankless Community? Which of these projects should we be looking at? You tell us. Um, Jobs, David. Jobs. What time is it? Job time. Time to get a job. Last week to get a job before the merge. <laughs> I'm not sure that matters, but it's true either way. You think someone could turn around and get a job in like a week's time? Really hustled, like, Yeah. Uh-huh. Hit apply. If well, if the next day? if they are a
0: fitting candidate for one of these
1: fantastic jobs that we're about to read out, maybe perhaps. Okay. Well, I'll read them out then. Economia is looking for a lead product and brand designer. What's that, David? Uh, non technical, Ryan. Silent Protocol, full-stack smart contract engineer. SuperFoam, senior backend engineer. BitGreen, uh, full-stack software developer, Masari, needs those software engineers for market data and media. DYDX needs a backend software engineer. Steakfish, an HR business gone, partner. Technical. A stakefish also needs a back-end software engineer and a front-end engineer, a DevOps engineer, and of course, Bankless is looking for someone to help with media operations. Go apply for these jobs. Go get a job before the merge, if you can. The merge is fine, too. Crypto is always hiring on the Bankless job boards. That's bankless.pallet.com slash jobs. You can find out more. All right, David. What do we have coming up next? Got some
0: questions for the nation. This is when we talk about some of the ETH POW questions, ETH state questions, overall merge-related questions, because, Ryan, it's, of course, the last weekly roll-up before the merge. I don't know if you mentioned that yet, Uh, but we got to answer all (laughs) all the merge questions. Uh, So we'll talk about that. And also the hot and spicy takes from Crypto Twitter coming up next. But first, let's talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Arbitrum is an Ethereum layer two scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. Some of the coolest new NFT collections have chosen Arbitrum as their home, while DeFi protocols continue to see increased liquidity and usage. You can now bridge straight into Arbitrum for more than 10 different exchanges, including Binance, FTX, Kuobi, and Crypto.com. Once on Arbitrum, you'll enjoy fast transactions with cheap fees, allowing you to explore new frontiers of the crypto universe. New to Arbitrum, for a limited time, you can get Arbitrum NFTs designed by the famous artists Ratwell and Sugoi the arbitrum odyssey the odyssey is an eight week long event where you complete on-chain activities and receive a free nft as a reward find out more by visiting the discord at discord.gg arbitrum you can also bridge your assets to arbitrum at bridge.arbitrum.io and access all of arbitrum's apps at portal.arbitrum.1 in order to experience DeFi and nfts the way it was always meant to be fast cheap secure and fiction free The Layer 2 era is upon us. Ethereum's Layer 2 ecosystem is growing every day, and we need Layer 2 bridges to be fast and efficient in order to live a Layer 2 life. Across is the fastest, cheapest, and most secure cross-chain bridge. With Across, you don't have to worry about high fees or long wait times. Assets are bridged and available for use almost instantaneously. Across's bridges are powered by UMA's optimistic Oracle to securely transfer tokens between Layer 2s and Ethereum. Across is critical ecosystem infrastructure, and Across V2 has just launched. Their new version focuses on higher capital efficiency, layer two to layer two transfers, and a brand new chain with Polygon, all while prioritizing high security and low fees. You can be a part of Across's story by joining their discord and using Across for all of your layer two transferring needs. So go to across.to to to quickly and securely bridge your assets between Ethereum, Optimism, Polygon,
1: Arbitrum, or Boba networks. We are back with the questions from the nation. Of course, if you've got a question for the weekly rollup, you can follow at BanklessHQ on Twitter, look for that question of the week, respond, and we may read your question out on the rollup and answer it to the best of our ability. The first one is from johnnycast.eth. Will I receive ETH proof of work for the staked ETH I have? What about if it's staked on a centralized exchange or in an ETH staking derivative? So this person wants to know, Johnny Cast wants to know if he is getting a fork of the ETH POW token, should it come?
0: He is asking if he's going to receive the ETH Proof-of-Work token if he has Ether staked. And if yes. you have Ether staked, that answer is no. No, you are not, because that Ether is in the deposit contract on the Ethereum side, which is where people deposit Ether into the Beacon Chain. The only reason why you deposit Ether into that contract is to tell the Beacon Chain to mint you some Ether on the Proof-of-Stake Beacon Chain. You, it's a one way street. It only goes into that contract. There's no way to get it out of that contract. So, all staked Ether on the Ethereum chain, when it goes into the proof of work chain, will be irredeemable. It, the proof of work Ether will be in that same contract on the proof of work cha- side, but there's no way to get that out. So, all staked Ether is not redeemable for proof of work Ether. It doesn't matter where you staked it on a centralized exchange or with Lido or Rocket Pool, that Ether is gone. That proof of work ether is gone,
1: but to our point earlier, guys, who cares? Yeah. It's probably it's probably almost not nothing. It's probably pennies. It does make sense for a proof of work fork to kind of punish those who staked, right? And but so that's not what it know, is.
0: That's a byproduct. It's not. It's, it's a not byproduct,
1: yeah. but like it's kind of um, it also what's yes. interesting. What's happening? What about on centralized exchange then? What happens there? Or in e- staking driven?
0: Any any staked any supply of staked ether will be irredeemable, so they can't give you. They won't be giving you anything because they don't have
1: anything to give you. The keyword is there is staked. It's yeah. the staked piece, staked. right? Yes. If it is on a, a centralized exchange, right? And it's not staked, then it's totally dependent on the exchange, which... And the exchange decide, has to facilitate that, yeah. That could be months down the road or never. Um, so don't expect much. I think if, if the price
0: that, moons because people are doing shenanigans... They'll enable it. Then they'll enable it because yeah. that because people will desire it.
1: Yes, uh, here's another question from Matt. In the first few hours after the merge, is ETH proof-of-work value will receive equal the value of our ETH proof-of-stake? So can we double our ETH holdings if we exchange the proof-of-work for the proof-of-stake as soon as possible? This is another question. I think there's been a lot of questions right. about this new proof-of-work hypothetical right. chain. What's the answer to Matt's question here? Well, so we
0: saw the chart earlier that, t- that was doing a futures market for $30 for a proof-of-work Ether. You will have the same number of units, but the market prices on these things will be totally different. Uh, And so, like, after Armageddon on the roof of work chain happens, because all Ether positions in MakerDAO, Aave, Compound will be liquidated, all tokens on Uniswap, like MKR, Aave, will be worth zero. And so, like, those people who have those will liquidate those. There's gonna be, like, just like Y2K on the Ethereum beacon chain on the block one, two, and three. After the dust settles, then uh, the proof of work ether will have some sort of value determined by the market that will be significantly meaningfully lower than the actual ether, real ether, proof of stake ether. And then if you are sophisticated and you can set up the infrastructure, you can sell the proof of work ether and you? Yeah, on Poloniex because they say they're going to support it. Maybe um, if you could
1: find an exchange if you can that find supports an exchange.
0: it, it's but a it's, lot. There's not going to be a Uniswap, yo. Like it's only going to be centralized exchanges that facilitate the market. decides
1: play. to kind of pick that up and run, right. like yeah, it's going to be really hard to escape from. And what we're talking about he, here, even in the futures market, it's like mm-hmm. thirty-one uh, dollars right. per ETH. Basically, right. it's yeah. kind of what you get. I, I um, do not
0: think anyone will be seeing a dime. Yeah. I th- very excuse me. Very few people, few people will see few a dime.
1: Retail. Like nor- normal. Highly people.
0: motivated be- retail people who are running both a consensus node on the beacon chain and, well, no, actually just any pre- a pre. Look, Dave, uh, the consensus- people asking
1: these questions are probably yeah. getting
0: nothing. Yeah, if you don't know how to do it, you're not getting it. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> the best thing, okay, if you are retail and you are super bullish on trying to get that youth proof of work. Token. The thing that I what would do, EDM? even though I'm not recommending you to do this in the first place, <laughs> is to deposit your ether into Poloniex because Poloniex, the exchange, even though it's run by a very shady individual, Justin Sun, uh, said that they are going to support the ether proof of work chain. And so they will do all the service for you. So if you are somehow, after listening to this, magically still bullish on the ether proof of work chain and you don't know how to go do it yourself, Deposit your ether into Plonyx. They said that they will credit people their proof of work ether. And then you can can just use them to do it. I don't recommend you doing that.
1: But that's how you would do it. But also don't do it. And also just just, (laughs) don't fucking do it. Sorry for swearing. Here's a question from Henry JK4. This may be basic. But with the ETH I have, when the merch happens, will I get new ETH or will my existing ETH convert to the Proof of Stake chain? Can you explain this for me? Thanks so much for all you guys have been doing, been listening for about a year now. So, what does the average person ignore the ETH Proof right. of Work, Proof of Stake? Ignore all of that. If you're just holding ETH right now, right. What do you And do? yeah, what do you have to do on the other side? Is there anything that you have to do? What happens to your existing ETH that you're holding? Uh,
0: nothing. Nothing changes. Remember, remember we saw that pie chart that said 95% of validators are ready? That's because like, 95% of people, and it's going to approach 99%, are ready to do the hot swap. Your ether doesn't convert. It doesn't change form. It doesn't do anything. You actually won't even notice anything at all happening whatsoever. Uh, maybe there will be a blip in ether scan or something, ideally, or just a blip. But just like your ether that you have today is proof of stake ether once
1: we hit post-merge. So, if you're an ETH holder, what do you have to do? Nothing. Nothing. If you're a DeFi user, Nothing. what do you have to do? Nothing. 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 Well, if you, you are may,
0: Maybe monitor your positions if you're on leverage or something like that. Yeah. Sure. If you're levered up or doing something like
1: that. Yeah, pay attention. If you, pay, pay some attention. If you <laughs> are a, uh, uh, running a node, an Ethereum node, you got to update. Well, you will have already... Have you update your, your nodes. Nodes. If you haven't
0: updated your nodes, you got to update your nodes.
1: You're late. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're, you're late, but not too late.
1: But if you're not running a node, if you're just an ETH holder or a, a general DeFi user, is not on leverage, nothing you have to do. It just transfers it's gracefully.
0: You can tune into all of the live streams. That's what you can do. Many, <laughs> yes. many live streams a today. Next the week,
1: we're doing yeah. a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went over the schedule earlier, didn't we? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, okay, we went cool the schedule. All right, um, takes the week, David. Takes of the week. This is from Tim Bako, who is an ETH, I guess, core developer, core coordinator. Core developer coordinator. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Works for the Ethereum foundations. Key person that
1: made the merge happen. Yeah.
0: Him him and Danny Ryan are like the two people that made the merge happen. Uh, And Tim Bako, that's that's putting too much weight on their shoulders. Many people made the merge happen. Tim was a coordinator of many of these people. And Tim Bako says, I've said... We might have merged by then twice on the core dev meeting today, and it feels pretty surreal to be honest. It's happening sparkly emoji. Really, really cool take. Really cool take. We're ta- We're already happening. talking about just like after the merge, the state of it's, things after the merge.
1: It's happening. So much work to right. get us here, and it's actually mm-hmm. happening. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Ethereum community has been waiting for so long for this week to happen, and yeah. it's actually happening in spite right. of so many doubters who said, the merge, the merge would never, never happen. happen. Ethereum, yep. there's no way it'll transition to proof of stake. It's like replacing an airline engine in midair. Too complicated. And too the, difficult. And protocol
0: devs were like, "Challenge accepted."
1: <laughs> it's awesome. I've
0: got it again. Knock on, on wood against the whole like Hillary Clinton thing.
1: <laughs> this is uh, a tweet from me this week. Uh, uh, this you're old, cool. but yeah. are you old enough to remember this? And this is I'm showing an image for. If you can't see it on the podcast side, you can catch it on YouTube. This is an image of the original MakerDAO interface. David, do you mm-hmm. remember when Maker looked like this?
0: I do remember. And I remember experiencing this interface, ex- being frustrated but also optimistic, <laughs> and then finally figuring out how to mint DAI for the first time and seeing the DAI show up in my wallet, and I just I didn't obviously have any like concrete predictions, but you could just feel the future. It's mm-hmm. like, "No, I did not know no Uniswap would be a thing." but I kind of figured there would be something like it. And like, like, yes, this is automated algorithmic financed by code. And this was like my
1: magic, like aha moment. It's Like I just minted money and no I one stopped me. I just minted money. I just took out a loan, mm-hmm. no bank, no bank account, no paperwork, just code and ETH transactions. Yeah. It yeah. was incredible. This,
0: this, the, God. could you imagine this? If, if all DeFi interfaces <laughs> were like this level of just well, like
1: clunkiness now, I just, uh, what I'm, what we're looking at is an interface that looks like it, it was from, I guess, 2017 or so, 2017, 2018. Right. But it looks like it's from the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. just it's terrible. It's bad. The UX it's, exper- it's
0: did the job it needed to do at the so time. So this
1: is like the old Grandpa David and mm-hmm. Grandpa Ryan saying to you, youngsters. <laughs> You got it good, kids. Yeah, your guys' like, interfaces are great. They're so good compared to the old days. Uh, they don't even know what peeth is. They don't e- even know what peeth path. is. pe Did you say peeth? Peeth. I said path. path? I said path.
0: Peeth? Yeah. We, we did not e- even
1: have. We didn't even have a consensus on whether it's path or Oh, God. Do you remember what? when people would say eth? <laughs> yeah. Instead of eth? I hated that. I hated that. Your interfaces have gotten much better, yeah. and the rate at which they are improving makes me so bullish yeah. on this space. Yeah. You know, if I contrast that to my interface for my bank, Wells Fargo, right. it's like oh, it's no so change bad. in the last five it's years. It's so bad. But it's basically the same as it was five years ago. It's yeah. like equally kind of terrible. Right. Um, what's this take from Pelennia? Pelennia
0: says, a swap on Binance Smart Chain is five times more expensive than Arbitrum, yet Binance Smart Chain has ten times the activity. BSC has established clear network effects, particularly in the Eastern markets, and roll up teams have to do their marketing, have to up their marketing game significantly to outcompete BSC, their stiffest competition.
1: Interesting take. What do you think about take. this? The idea, Plenya goes on to say, uh, today I learned Binance Smart Chain are building ZK roll ups. Can you imagine running a ZK roll up layer two on top of Binance Smart Chain? And this is Plenya, who knows what they're talking about, really. Uh, not necessarily bullish on Binance, um, like the token behind Binance Smart Chain, but certainly like it's establishing it as the one to beat for other layer twos. What do you think of this take?
0: Yeah, I heard Anthony Susano on the Daily Grey talk about this. And I think uh, a lot of this comes down to language, as in there might just be more like Chinese or English language support of the Binance Chain ecosystem. Uh, and so it's kind of accidentally become like the Ethereum of the East just based off the language barrier. Um, I think that actually does account for a very decent amount. And just like the raw power of Binance has that is also big in the East too, um, I think that's I think that chalks up to more than more than fifty percent of the reasoning why Binance Chain is so big.
1: I think this is a good message for um, Layer Twos. If you want to onboard the world, you have to have multi-regional, multi-language mm-hmm. support. Right? It's a, yeah. a key component of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I, uh, I'd like to do a bit more on you know Binance Smart Chain. I'm not super interested yeah. in the technology, but like the adoption it's had and where it's coming right. from is somewhat interesting to me. Right.
0: Here's another tweet from Ryan Sean Adams, who's been super focused on just like reserve currencies and war and all this stuff. And so we're going to hear his (laughs) takes here in a hot sec. Uh, Ryan says, reserve currency statuses rise and fall over the decades. I expect Ethereum to be one of the next ones to rise. Ryan, what are we looking at?
1: We are looking at a pie chart over time. And the way this begins is at the beginning of the 1900s. Let me take you back to 1901, when -hmm. the British pound was 60% of the, reserve, the world's reserve currency. And do you know what, second, David? The French franc. I don't remember that one. And then be- behind that, um, pound sterling. Uh, no, excuse me. Behind that, uh, Deutschmark. And mm-hmm. uh, there's also a category for other. So, you know, British pound, by far, the world's monetary, the world's reserve currency. And then this kind of fast forwards through time. And you can see the British pound as a percentage of the world. It kind of ebbs and flows through World War One, through World War Two, And we fast forward all the way to even after World War Two in the mm-hmm. 1950s, the British pound still had like 45%. Oh, wow. well, of, today I learned. Right, but then the US dollar, which wasn't even pre- present in 1901, right. wasn't even on the map for a world reserve uh, currency, is now 46% of the world's uh, currency. And then we fast forward to, of course, where we are today can you see the British pound mm-hmm. anymore on this no, chart? Th- well, no. Well, t- it got folded into the euro. Got folded. Well, it's still present. It got. Oh folded. wait, no. Yeah, yeah, wait, it's still it's present. It's right there. It's four point five percent. It's tiny. It's tiny. It's four point five percent. You got the euro that's twenty percent, and the U.S. dollar that is sixty one percent. I I think the take here is just when you see this chart over time, the fleeting nature of no, fiat, reserve currencies. Reserve yeah. currencies is uh you know something to hold on to and this looks <laughs> a lot like uh, 1901 right, right. Where, when the British pound was the dominant reserve currency now we're in you know 2022 and the US dollar is about 60 percent. All right, David, what are you bullish on this week?
0: Uh, Ryan, I am bullish on the ETH-BTC ratio, uh, as I have been. Uh, And Dejan Spartan put out a pretty cool tweet that uh, talked about uh, how much of ETH-BTC, people that are taking on this trade, such as myself, will be permanently unwound post-merge. He says, Hmm. I expect a drop from the people that think it's an airdrop play, LMFAO, but I expect it to be one of the greatest paradigm shifts in hindsight as ETH goes from a zero to one as a hoarding asset and flows will be one directional. And then I follow up And I say, the point of the ETH BTC trade is to hold it. (laughs) And like, it's not just like a momentary thing because that's how Press said on our show with him, once we go through the merge, time works uh, with Ether and against Bitcoin because uh, with proof of work, the theoretical, it theoretically approaches 100% of all cell pressure from proof-of-work miners. And with proof-of-stake, it's the inverse. It's the theoretical 100% gets held by proof-of-stake stakers. So every single dime of proof-of-work miners gets sold. Every single penny of ether stakers gets held. Again, on in principle, these things are probably more around like 90%. Um, but the, uh, that just goes to the contrast is time works with Ether and it works against Bitcoin. And so if you are somebody like myself who's short Bitcoin and long Ether, the point of that trade is that it just works. So like people are like super focused on like the flipping rounds, like Ether is 53% the market cap of Bitcoin. At some point it'll flip Bitcoin. I have a hundred percent confidence in this eventually, but like the trade is not over there either. Like. Once you flip Bitcoin, you can flip it again. Like you can lap Bitcoin over oh, is, and over is and David over again.
1: Shilling his ETH Bitcoin ratio bags to you. Yes, guys, right? yes, I am. I'm chilling <laughs>
0: my trade. It's like I'll unwind my Ether Bitcoin
1: trade when Ether Ethereum is worth like three Bitcoins. That's a that's a hold forever. Wow. Is there is there any like um. Are you mad at Bitcoin at all? Is there any like, vindictiveness in that trade? No, it's just, like, that, it's, just it's, just the, it's just
0: the flows. It's just the factual flows. If Proof of work is forced selling and proof of stake is incentivized hoarding. This is why this is, why a is saying Ether goes from zero to one as a hoarding asset and flows will be run directional. It's just a fundamental part of the fundamentals. Jokes I'm not on, trading narratives.
1: Jokes I'm on trading D-gen. the fundamentals. I've been, I've been hoarding this thing for a while. I didn't just start hoarding, zero to one, been hoarding. right, right. It's you, funny. You want,
0: you want to hoard ahead of the, the transition <laughs> from zero to one. Ideally. Um,
1: there's still time, of
0: course. Yeah, that's what I'm about. Oh, you know what I'm also bullish on, Ryan? What? You know what I'm about to go do after this? No. You yes. Guys, you know, you know this guy, Zach Weinberg?
1: Yes. I saw a clip with him with um, Andreessen, Mark Andreessen, mm-hmm. where... Uh, he's kind of, um, playing an Andreessen clip and just like digging into how stupid it is, uh, Andreessen's answer, I think on like what web three means. So he this person is, uh, Zach is a web three crypto critic, I believe.
0: Yeah. Uh, right after this, I'm about to go into Manhattan and debate him on stage at some like VC founders conference. That'll be fun. I am going recorded. I don't I
1: don't
0: I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Uh but if it is, I will definitely tweet it out. But yeah, me and I was listening to him, I didn't hit listen to his uh Andreessen clip, so I gotta go listen to that, but I did listen to him going up against Packy McCormick. Yes. And like I'm like, dude, Packy, you are missing some really low hanging fruit like points here. And so I don't think that Zach Weinberg has gone up against any sort of meaningful competition yet until two hours from now when I smear his face. I'm wow. Kidding. I'm kidding.
1: I'm kidding. He's I'm super kidding. aggressive, I'm kidding. David. Just pre merge <laughs> David is like just, you know, he's I've had, had an extra cup of coffee today. He's got the adrenaline. Watch out, yeah. Zach. I think it'll be good. I, actually, I think if that episode, if that goes well, sorry, I called mm-hmm. it an episode. If that debate goes well, we should host him on Bankless sure. and uh, have kind of a, sure. a review of like another one of that because we need some sure. more critics. If he's a round, good critic. Round two. Fan. Ding, ding, round ding.
0: Two. All right, Ryan, what are you bullish on? Who are you
1: debating this week? Uh, I'm not debating <laughs> anyone, if I can help it, all right? I just want good vibes into the merch, right? I don't want, you know, no, no hassle, but you know mm-hmm. what I am bullish on? Or what, I maybe this is kind of a thank you. This is a, a gratitude. The mm. ETH developers, yeah. all right? We saw earlier about 120 core developers. A lot of ETH developers made the merge happen and we know some of them we don't know all of them all right we don't
0: know most of them we don't know
1: most of them and uh, you know particularly kind of the the silent people have been just coding in the background making this happen like sincerely thank you Mm -hmm. i think the entire ethereum community um has you to thank we can't build this dave and i are here working on the social layer we're users we're building in a different way but like none of this would be possible without the ethereum developers the core developers and i remember a time when they, when everyone said no one thought they could do it. Uh, do you right. remember back in 2018? Uh, a lot of the talk was there's not enough protocol. There's not enough funding for right. the devs to actually do this. So You don't have any
0: money. Yeah, there
1: was semi-serious propositions to actually add a protocol dev tax inside inside of the protocol to siphon off a portion of this right. and, and give it to devs to fund it. We uh, we did this without protocol funding. Um, We did this with frustrating roadmap pivots. Do you remember in uh, 2020, it was 2018, we were supposed to get proof of stake. We were like months away from forking it in, an earlier version of it. And... um, the, the roadmap completely changed. The yeah. better version was in sight, so we just pivoted towards the better version, right? What kind of patience does that require to keep uh, along with the project? You know, it's like delayed for another like five years they've been mm. working on this stuff and they did it all without a centralized corporation, uh, all in this like decentralized, open source way. And I don't think there's any precedent for what we are seeing, like launching a staking protocol like this uh, which is maximally decentralized at scale and converting it in real time with a network that's worth hundreds of billions of dollars in real time. And that's what's happening next week. I think it's a historic event and I am um, bullish and thankful on mm-hmm. uh, for the Ethereum developers. And um, man, this protocol can ship. I didn't always know that was true. I didn't always believe that, but we're doing it now. So uh, that's what I'm bullish on. Yeah. Every single
0: client team has 8, 10, 20 people on its team that have been working on this. And there's like six, seven client teams. That's not even to account for like all the people at the EF also helping coordinate this thing. Uh, so like the image that came to mind while you're talking is just like that the picture of like Atlas. And they have all the core teams like holding up Ethereum. Yep. Like everyone who's ever used Ethereum and is bullish on the merge has a core developer to thank. Have you thanked a core developer this week? Because if you haven't, please do. We should Absolutely. make that into a meme next week.
1: Have you thanked thank, a core dev yet? Thank you. you know, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank Ryan, you has. Ryan,
0: did, Ryan did just now.
1: That's what he I, was I doing. I did just now. Yeah, badly. <laughs> He I was mean, first. <laughs> I feel like there's other things I, I could be doing, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, we appreciate the Ethereum development community for sure. David, mm-hmm. meme of the week. What are we looking at this week?
0: Uh, we were looking at the uh, Patrick Spongebob meme that he's like, what if we take this and put it over there? Uh, Ethereum miners, this is the headline from earlier on the roll-up, Ethereum miners made $756 million in revenue in August ahead of the merge. And Patrick, the meme, goes, what if we take the miner revenue and give it to the stakers? <laughs> Basically what the Ethereum co- uh, proof-of-stake mechanism is. Although you do have to take note that we are doing a supply reduction of 90, 90%. So actually only 10% of the stakers get that. But also, stakers are holders of ETH. And so since... The miners aren't dumping the ETH. They get, they do get the benefit of not having ether dumped on them by miners. So I will say they they get the full value of that. That's
1: it's true. It's what's happening. This, the mm-hmm. stakers are the new security budget for yeah. Ethereum essentially, and, and, and so, ETH holders, yeah, yeah. So right, I mean this this notion of ether as a, a tokenized ASIC, ASIC basically, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I think is holding true. So that's what's happening next week. Of course, Dave and I will be with you all week. Make sure you tune into to Bankless Podcasts and on YouTube, and of course on Twitter. We'll leave it there. None of this has been financial advice. ETH is risky, DeFi is risky, so is all of crypto. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.
0: Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium Subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium Subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the bankless nation.